Today's podcast sponsor is MailStore. MailStore is the email archiving software for Microsoft Office 365 and Exchange that enables you to automatically prune the mailbox sizes of your users, keep a perfect copy in case of accidental deletion or malware attack, and it's also great for compliance such as GDPR. Available for servers or as a multi-tenant service provider edition version that you can host yourself as an MSP, head on over to mailstore.co.uk forward slash tubtalk for an incredible introductory offer just for tubtalk listeners and for a free 30-day trial. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners with our featured conversation with Richard Tubb and Paul Green of MSP Marketing Edge. My name is Jeff Nicholson and this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. In this episode, Richard talks with Paul Green of MSP Marketing Edge based in Milton Keynes, which supports IT solution providers and managed service providers with their marketing efforts. You'll hear how Paul's experience of running a B2B marketing company helped him move into the IT niche, why he thinks writing a book is a good idea, and why the MSP business model means owners don't see the need for marketing. This episode was recorded between Richard at home in Newcastle and Paul in his office in Milton Keynes. And now, without further ado, here's Richard Tubb talking with Paul Green. Hi, everyone. Richard Tubb here and another interview today. I'm joined today by a new friend of mine, Paul Green, who is the owner of MSP Marketing Edge. Now, MSP Marketing Edge are a Milton Keynes-based business aimed at helping IT solution providers and managed service providers with their marketing efforts. Uh, Paul grew and then sold a very successful B2B marketing company prior to IT support marketing. So um, he knows what successful marketing really looks like. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, on Tub Talk. I'm, a, I'm an avid listener and it's kind of cool to actually be here on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honoured you would join me. Let's jump straight in and address something up front. So um, you and I have become friends over the past few months. I'm from a, a very techie, geeky background. Um, you are not a techie, no. although you are a geek to a degree. We'll, we'll touch upon that later on. Um, but you're not from a techie background, um, like me and many other MSP owners. Um, you didn't own an IT support business, but you see that as a strength, don't you, when it comes to working with MSPs? Tell me I, I do, yeah, absolutely. I, I work with with. Um, it's probably getting on for nearly a hundred MSPs quite closely, um, whether that's over things like Facebook or face to face. And the fact that I'm not, um, I'm not coming at everything from from a technical aspect. I believe is an advantage because it means I can step back and let's use a cliche. It's almost like have a helicopter view. So I, I understand what it's like to be a business owner. You know, I, I was the guy that at thirty quit a job, um, which was actually quite a well paid job in the media. Started a business in my bed room which felt like a really good idea at the time and you know when I've been through all the emotions and the highs and lows and the oh my god I, I can't make payroll the cash flow crises the first few staff the taking on of premises so all the stuff that your average MSP does over, over a decade I did that it's just it wasn't a technical business it was a marketing business it's actually exactly the same model we were selling services on a recurring revenue basis it's just what we were delivering wasn't technical stuff so I, I, I always come at it from the business owner's point of view. And when I'm working with someone with an MSP, I don't really want to get bogged down in, is Continuum great or not? Should I buy IT glue or should I not? You know, And I'm happy 
happy to have those conversations. And the fact that I've just said those two things, you know, I mean, I'm obviously aware of stuff. having worked with MS3s for a couple of years, but I, I, I don't get, I don't want to get bogged down in that kind of stuff because I want to be able to stand back and say, I mean, let's take continuum, you know, as a concept, outsourcing your low level grunt work to another company that can do it better and faster than you. If it works in principle is a bloody great idea because that frees you, the business owner and your top technical staff to, to focus in on the things that make the biggest difference to the clients. So the, the, the things I'm interested, interested in are um, helping business owners have a great life, um, helping and, and helping business owners free themselves from the prison of their own business. And typically that's done through great marketing, because if you can get more new clients and you can get your existing clients to choose to buy more from you, that that delivers a level of freedom. So the fact that I don't come from an MSP background, as I say, I I believe it's an advantage. I really do. Yeah, I think I think it is as well. And I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. So I am a techie. I'm a a geek, as we've touched upon there. So I uh, used to run an MSP myself. Interestingly, the flip side of the coin is a lot of the work that I do. Um, people outside the IT industry say, hey, Rick, um, you know that stuff you talk about uh, for the IT industry? That's applicable to my business, and I'm a florist. I'm a, a, you know, a working real estate and things like that. So I totally get it. I think good business is good business, isn't it, yeah, regardless it is. of what your background is? It, it is. My, the business I sold in March 2016 um, specialised in healthcare marketing, so vets, dentists, and opticians, all business owners. And if you put a vet in particular a vet and an IT uh, owner together in a room, they'd have, you know, 80% of their business is, is the same. So, okay, com- t- MSPs fix computers and stop computers breaking. Vets do the same to animals. Um, vets are moving from right now from a break-fix model to a recurring revenue model. Um, they, you know, they have that hassle of someone's got to be there at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning because that's when the phone starts ringing or in their case, animals coming through the door. It's literally exactly the same business. And no surprise, they have exactly the same challenges um it's keeping control of costs it's um finding good staff keeping good staff because both both msps with the technical sector and the veterinary sector have real problems getting qualified staff to, to stay uh, it's it's you know the, the fact that clients stay for years which is good but their expectations go up and they want the bills to go down it's that they're almost identical businesses and and that's where i come at it from that 80 percent of things that that make the biggest difference Mm. So before we talk about the MSP Marketing Edge and specifically what you do for, for IT companies, let's rewind a little bit because you've got a very interesting past. We've already touched upon uh, the B2B marketing company. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. But you've also alluded to a couple of things, you know, um, business owners building a prison of their own making. I'd, I'd like to hear more uh, about that. But you shared something just before we went on air and started recording today that I didn't know about you and that you used to be a radio presenter. Yes, I did. Yes, yes, I I started, um, I actually, um, I failed an A-level in, God knows, 1991. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I couldn't then go to university. In the, in the year that I was resitting my economics A-level, I got a job on a newspaper and uh, selling advertising, which is awful. But then I moved on and became a journalist and they trained me up to be a journalist. And then after three years, uh, when I was about 23, I think it was, I, I, I basically auditioned for the local radio station. And I was in, uh, in Northampton. So I was looking for a radio station called Northampton 96, which is now a heart. All the stations I've ever worked at are now called heart. <laughs> and um, and I, I got into radio and I started as a newsreader and then became a presenter and then went on to be a program controller. So that's someone who's in charge of the, the, like the programming. And then I was running stations and I did 10 years in radio and I love radio and I miss it. I mean, I miss it every day and 
last year I did a couple of radio shifts for a friend and remembered it's like an old jumper you put put on and you know first you put it on you're like oh this is so cozy this jumper and then you remember why you, you stopped wearing the jumper so <laughs> radio like any job is sounds or showbiz and glam but ultimately you're sat in a room on your own talking to thousands of people who aren't listening so it's you know I got out of that and I, I ultimately had what if you've ever read the E-Myth Revisited oh I have it's oh, a bible for me I it is it's there. a great book and you'll, you'll remember then Michael Gerber talks about the entrepreneurial seizure where you get that thought in your head that I've got to start my business and that was me at 28 29 and I did what what so many people have done I spent a couple of unhappy years working for someone else and then I, I'm like right I'm going to start my own business and I quit my job and started in a bedroom and and, and started that journey and um, the, the journey for me is has has been almost identical to the journey of virtually any business owner, which which is start with self-employment, throw yourself into it 80-hour weeks. You don't care getting up at six in the morning and going to bed at 10 at night because you're your own boss. And then you start to eventually get too busy, so you take someone on. And then before you know it, you've got premises. And before you know it, you're, and you, you, you said it yourself, locked in a prison. It's a, I can't remember which book I read it in. There's a, a, a business book. I read a business book every week, and one of them I've read at some point said, most business owners create a prison of their own design and lock themselves inside. And that's exactly what I did. And I woke up at 35 and uh, it's, you know, I think I'd got three staff and we were turning over about 250. And, um, but the business didn't ha- happen if I wasn't there. I think it was, it was a PR business, a public relations business at the time. And I hated it. And in, in five years, I'd gone from this passion and this entrepreneurial seizure, I've got to start a business, to literally, I was the worst employee in the business. And I, and I was the owner. Um, and, I, you know, I meet so many people like this. There are so many MSPs because... An MSP is a great model and a terrible model at the same time. What makes it great is huge levels of recurring revenues. People need it as much as they want it. And, you know, retention. I've never known any industry anywhere, any sector which keeps clients for so long. You can meet someone who's, you know, who's been going 12, 15 years and they've got clients from, from day one. <laughs> they've still got them 12, 15 years on. It's insane. But I think this is also what makes it bad because it, I think it makes MSP owners lazy. And so there, there are so many people, people just pootling along, fixing stuff, bit of proactive work, the money's coming in every month. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're just kind of there and keep going and they're not, they haven't got any passion for the business anymore because they're locked in that prison. But because the money just keeps turning up, that they keep turning up and, it, you know, it, it's, very, it's very easy to just do that for five to 10 years and, you know, not, not realise that you are locked in that prison. Yeah, agreed. So, so what changed for you then? So you'd sort of built this uh, business. You were you were quite successful by any by any measure. Um, what changed for you to to say, okay, I want to move on? Well, my we my wife and I were trying for five years to have a baby, and it wasn't happening for no reason. There was nothing wrong with either of us. Although our our, um, our fertility consultant said um, she was old and I was stressed, which was uh, which was nice. And um, we went through some IVF, and we did three rounds of IVF, and we had a baby. But unfortunately, she was born. 15 weeks premature so she was born at 25 weeks and she's fine now she's eight and insanely cool now but at the time i mean you know we literally had an hour's notice and suddenly there was a baby and i kind of just dropped away from the business and i was two in the morning on sunday morning sat in hospital in kettering of all places texting my three staff saying oh my god the baby's arrived i don't know what's happening she's they don't think she's going to survive 
can you just do what you can? And, and it actually went on for three months. She was in the hospital for three months. And I removed myself. Because sometimes as business owners, we can be physically in the room, but we're mentally elsewhere. And my yes. wife needed me. And I mentally left my business and physically left it. And spent. I was keeping in touch, but literally a phone call now and again. And I was there for my wife. And it was, it was very good for us. And our daughter was amazing with her progress through hospital. And then I kind of went back to work and I was terrified that there would be no business because my, my right-hand person, a lovely lady called Claire, I'm still in touch with today. She, I'd given her all the bank login details and told her what she should be doing. Just said, look, just get on with it. And I'd kind of expected to go and there'd be no business. And actually it turns out they'd done slightly better without me being there. <laughs> so how, how did that make you feel? Because I've gone through exactly the same process myself. You know, and it, well, because it wasn't planned, I was... I was relieved and then offended and then terrified. I remember sitting in my office. We had a little rented, like a farm unit that we rented at 6, 10 in the morning on the first day I was back thinking, oh my God, they've fixed this. They've fixed this. They've actually got a new client in. They've been, they've kept the payroll going. You know, we've got more cash in the bank than I'm here. And when I got back and talked to them all and bought them all a coffee and said, well done. And I said, so what, what made the difference? And they looked at each other and laughed and said well you weren't here creating chaos and and I realized that in my drive to try and because I really wanted to grow this into a big business and to free myself and all of that and in my drive to do that I was just constantly diverting their attention off what they were trying to do and coming up with stupid ideas so virtually from that week on I I stopped going into the office so much so I worked full-time in the business but I I, initially I would work at Starbucks, Costa, McDonald's, anywhere with Wi-Fi and power that was my office and then uh, I'm, I'm speaking to you now from, from an office I have near my home. We actually moved an hour away from where our, our work office was and I got a separate office unit. So I've got somewhere to work, but without, you know, I can't be interrupted by staff, by, by um, family or whatsoever. And the business just grew. I mean, I, I can't remember the figures now, but it, we, we flipped the business model. We moved to a recurring revenue model. Um, we, we completely changed what we did. We, we came up with a niche focus on the healthcare Forget the, the word healthcare. Niche focus is the is the key lesson for that, and it grew and grew and grew. And um, at its peak, we we were doing a seven figure turnover, six figure EBITDA. Um, we had fifteen staff at its peak. Fact, here's an interesting lesson: I made three of them redundant, and the workload didn't change. The work the work being done didn't change, but the profits went up. That was quite an interesting lesson, and um, in over overstaffing. And then we we sold it in March um, 2016. Um, I can't tell you how much because I'm still in my my uh, within my sort of restricted zone on that, and um, but it was a nice premium sale, and um, I, I walked away. I did a six week handover and, and more or less walked away. And the the reason that we sold that business was it was a great business. It was uh, a cash flow positive. It operated without me, so I was still steering the ship, but. At that point, I was going into the office. I think it was like two hours on a Thursday morning. I called that angry Thursdays, where I'd go in and get ever angry with everyone, and then sort of walk <laughs> away. But it, it was highly systemized. The staff knew what they were doing. You know, I went on a three-week cruise uh, six months before, and they barely even noticed I was gone. It was that kind of level of, of disengagement. And um, yeah, I, I sold it partly because I was bored, and, and partly because we, we obviously we, we had a good offer. Uh, but that was a very interesting. We did that in six years, and um, that was. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That is a fantastic story, and I, I totally empathise with the um, it, you know when you realise the business can run without you, and on a rational level, that is fantastic. On an emotional level, an ego level, 
hmm. <laughs> I, I remember going to the cinema because I, I, I like daytime cinema for, for breaks and thinking and motivation. And I remember going to the cinema about a year before I sold it and coming out and turning on my phone and there was nothing, literally nothing. You know, I'd been gone for three hours, sucked into a Marvel film. There were no texts. There was no WhatsApp. There was no email. There was literally nothing. And I rang my ops manager and said, is everything all right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like what, what do you want but the very last guy I employed a guy called Aaron um, I, I can't even remember his surname he didn't know who I was and he said to the staff about the third Thursday he'd see me come in like who's that guy that comes in on a Thursday morning it, you know and, and that's when you kind of realise I've really detached from you know what, what we're doing here yeah. um, maybe I detached too much but um, you do, I do look at that look back now with rose tinted glasses and think, what if I'd kept it? You know, we could be in on 3 million by now. And, and, you know, it's always easy to, it's always easy to say that, but that's certainly the way to do it. And some of the MSP owners I work with today, the ones who are growing the fastest without having heart attacks and strokes are the ones that are in that position where they, they go into the business by choice. They don't go near any of the phones. They don't go near the clients. They don't get dragged into, can you just? You know, no one knocks on the door to say, you haven't got any milk. We haven't got any paper from the printer. Because all of that is clutter. And that, it's, that, it's that clutter that just gets in the way of the, the big issues, the big things you want to do. In fact, the, the most successful MSP owners I work with um, spend, have more holidays and, and spend the least amount of time in the office. There's one in particular I'm thinking of who will go into his office for two or three hours a month. And his is the fastest growing with the highest level of recurring revenue and the best staff. And that's because it's had to be that way to give him the lifestyle he wants. So let's talk a little bit more about how you help MSPs then. So the MSP Marketing Edge, what does that look like? And obviously there's a, um, a huge marketing element to that. You know, the clue is in the title there. However, I'm getting the impression that you're also helping businesses to um, to avoid the mistakes that you made, if I can uh, go as far as say that. Exactly. No, exactly that. So there's, there's, there's two cool things I do. Um, having having kind of semi-retired a few years ago, I got bored very quickly and realized I'd sold my income stream and I didn't want to live off my capital. So I, I couldn't work with the vets, dentists and opticians um, and I looked around and found tech support and IT support as I thought of it back then and I've had a few clients over the years delved into the market I subscribed to your list I've I found other people and and I realized these I, I, I am a geek as you said I'm not particularly technical but I do love talking about computers and technical solutions and all of that kind of stuff and um, very quickly I identified there are gaps in the market. The biggest gap, which we're, we're trying to fill uh, here in the UK and soon to launch in the USA, is that most MSPs aren't very good at marketing. And it's, it's you know, the world of marketing has changed around them. So the MSP marketing edge is stuff that we give to an MSP, just one MSP per area every month that they can use as their marketing material. So I'm not going to go through all the stuff because there's loads of it, but we, we give them guides, for example. We, we ghostwrite books. So we've just written a new book about um, all the Microsoft software that's expiring in January. So that's a massive marketing opportunity. We've got press releases, videos, um, emails, Facebook posts, LinkedIn, all that stuff. And the idea is we, we, we do dedicate an enormous amount of time centrally to creating this huge bunch of content. And then we give it to, let's say, one MSP in Reading, one in Switzerland, Wyndham, one in Oxford, and, and locks out all the others. So the idea is within their area, they can they can use it to, to get new clients. And we've made the price of that very, very low. So that's we've got about, um, I think it's nearing about 90 MSPs in the UK um, that, that use that now. Um, 
and the, the can I can I plug the website? For that? Oh, go for it. I was oh, going to say my, I think nearly all of my um, my own MSP clients uh, work with you, so absolutely go for it. This Actually, is- we do we do seem to share quite a lot of uh, <laughs> of clients. And thank you. I know you've you've mentioned the past, so thank you. It's MSPMarketingEdge.com, and there's a little thing on there. You can go in and put your area in to see if if someone's beaten you to it, basically, or if if, there's, if it's still available. So that's the one thing, and that's my that's my big passion project because I we have a huge Facebook group that goes with that, and it's it's really nice to support people in A, getting new clients and B, upselling their existing clients, which is the sort of the second part of that. The other thing I do is I have some mastermind groups and they're full and, and will probably be full for the for the, the next number of months. And um, I, I have only two groups because I get tired if I have more than two groups, which makes me sound a bit weak, but I've, I've done this for years and I like having a small group and getting really in deep with that group. And we meet once a month in Milton Keynes, which is where I live. There's 13 uh, MSP owners in a room and we just talk, but it's a structure talk we talk about which suppliers are good which suppliers aren't good your name comes up every month uh, nigel moore's name comes up every month we talk about how to get new clients what's new we've just put together an enormous linkedin strategy the, the 2020 thing about the microsoft um, software expiring that came out of one of those groups when we were just talking about it and someone flagged it up and it's it's just become an amazing environment um, safe environment with no recording no notes what's said in the room stays in the room to to make more money and that's the goal of that room room is to make more money you know we've had we've helped people fire people um, we've helped people lose a business partner by choice um, we've helped people to steal tech from someone else um, certainly loads of new clients and, and massive amounts of upselling and we've identified something like 40 different recurring revenue streams as well which is probably the most exciting thing that's come out of that because for those that have gone and done that it's just you know we all know that to sell more services to the people you're already dealing with is, is more profitable and getting new clients yeah well let's talk about upselling uh, to existing clients uh, a little bit more in, in a moment but i'm just fascinated from your experience coming from outside the it industry um you know to within the msp industry and helping it business owners now answer me this simple question with probably a big answer why are MSP owners, why are MSP businesses so crap at marketing themselves? Because <laughs> they don't need to be good at marketing. The, it's as simple as that. You, as I was saying earlier, you can keep a client for 10 years and you, you know, it's a very long sales cycle. So, so mo- most of the decent clients already have an MSP and the sales cycle for them leaving that leaving that incumbent that they're unhappy with even if they're unhappy they'll stay for another couple of years it can take six nine twelve months to to, you know to to get in at that right point educate them emotionally connect with them move them over so i think two reasons one is that you don't need to be good at marketing because you keep clients forever but secondly the marketing is actually quite hard in this marketplace this is where msps do differ from vets say a vet can put something on facebook tomorrow and have five new clients in the morning I, I kid you not, it can be that simple because they're dealing with consumers and it's very emotional because it's about dogs and cats. And ultimately, the, the, the commitment to the vet is very low. You turn up, you don't like the vet, you go to a different vet. Someone moving from one MSP to another is a major commitment. You know, you handing over your server, all of your, your stuff, your technology to someone else, the, the, the potential risks are huge. And this is why MSPs have this great um, this great uh, retention. It's called inertia loyalty. It's the same reason you stay with an accountant years past the point you know you really should leave that accountant. It's exactly the same as MSP. I think, I mean, there's loads of marketing out there. You know, there's all sorts of advice and, you know, B2B, MSPs is not difficult. It's basic B2B marketing. But I think, yeah, once you've got a bunch of clients, you, you, you know, it's so easy to just stick with that and do nothing with it. 
Yeah. What, what advice would you give to an MSP that is doing no marketing at all? How would you get them to go from nothing to something uh, and, and to see the results of it? That's a great question. I think you you have to play, you have to think long-term. So you have to, good marketing. No, let me reverse back a second. People buy when they're ready to buy. They, right now, if you think wherever you are, whichever town you're sat in, there are thousands of business owners and managers sat around you. And at this exact moment, one of them has their head in their hands. They're, they're literally tearing out their hair because service too slow or this is wrong or their staff are winning, you know, all the common symptoms. And imagine if, if you could get some kind of magical, mystical thing that just connects you to that person right now. You pick up the phone, it connects to them. You would get in and you would have a meeting with them. And we all know once you've had the meeting, you're more than likely to, to win the sale. And um, this is where, this is what good marketing does. And, you know, the old days of yellow pages and all of that are gone. Even pay-per-click on Google, I would say, is no longer a strategy for most MSPs because the, the cost per click is just too high, apart from the really big companies. So you've got to look at it and say, well, look, people buy when they're ready to buy. How do I get the right message in front of the right person at the right time. And the only way to do that is to build an audience. Um, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn has changed so much in the last year under Microsoft's um, stewardship. Surprisingly, it's got better. Uh, and I say that as not the greatest Microsoft fan in the world, but they, LinkedIn is a great tool to go and look for business compared to a couple of years ago. Facebook is a surprisingly great place to look for business because even business owners and managers use Facebook, uh, in, and particularly in their downtime. In fact, if you can reach them in their downtime, it's better. Um, you know, the, I'm a big fan of data capture and, and offering people um, something in return for their contact details, which is fully GDPR compliant. And I think the trick is you've got to build some audiences. Um, I try to persuade all the MSPs I work with to build an audience on at very least Facebook. And today that has to be done through Facebook groups rather than through a Facebook page because Facebook page content just isn't being shown to people, whereas Facebook groups are enormous right now. So you've got to do, at the very least, Facebook. You should probably do a LinkedIn uh, and do at least put in lots of content on LinkedIn. And you should certainly be doing data capture on your website. And the trick is to get people in and to drip, 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 drip. You don't want to hard sell them. You want to get them in start a relationship with them, get their permission for you to market to them, and then educate them. And not about techie stuff, because no one cares about techie yeah. stuff. Literally no one. You educate them about the things that matter to them. And what matters to them is reliability, speed, and um, I mean, you know, the, the not being caught out with GDPR or, or anything like that. Because they don't care about GDPR, but they do care about public humiliation. They do care about fines, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Great advice. Now, we touched on it earlier. Most people, when they think of marketing, they think of reaching new clients. And of course, that's a huge part of uh, growing a business. But in my experience, what lots of MSP owners uh, do is overlook a massive resource, which is their existing clients. So tell us, I know you're a huge fan of uh, sort of upselling, as it's called. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you educate MSPs to, to make the most of that resource in front of them. Yeah, I should probably find a different word than upselling because there's actually no selling involved. Your people buy for one of two reasons, either because they need something, which is a decision made by the brain, or because they want something, which is a decision made by the heart. 99.9% .9 of MSP purchases, as in people buying from an MSP, is actually a heart decision. It's a want decision. Why would I pick one MSP over another? Because I... I assuming I don't know anything about technology, which the average business owner or manager doesn't, I'm going to pick you because I like you, <laughs> or I'm not going to pick you because I don't like you. And it, when we look at existing clients, um, why would someone buy more stuff from you? Because they want it. As simple as that. I'll give you, I'll give you a very quick example. Um, the, when GDPR came in in May, 
um, I was with, uh, was this, I think this was in the, 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 MSP Market Edge Facebook group, we were having a discussion about what, what we can do to what, what the MSPs can do to get their clients more ready for GDPR. And um, someone mentioned something about encrypted laptops. And we did a little quick survey of how many laptops are you supporting that are unencrypted. And as you can imagine, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of laptops out there supported by my MSP clients that weren't encrypted. So we put together a really quick little phone script, and it was along the lines of this. I'll, I'll give you the whole script because you can still use this today. If you if you've got any clients with unencrypted laptops, you can can literally pick up the phone now and do this. Hi, is that Bob? Yes, Bob. Hi, who's that? Hi, it's Paul here from your IT support company. Um, listen, um, how, how are you doing, Paul? Yeah, do you know, I didn't sleep well last night. Why is that then? Well, I was thinking about you, Bob, not in any kind of weird way, but as I went to sleep last night, it suddenly occurred to me that you've got, how many laptops have you got in the business? You've got 17. Okay. You've got 17 laptops in the business and according to our records, they're not encrypted. What does that mean? Well, what that means is, it, let me put it in layman's terms. If you lost one of those unencrypted laptops on a train, someone, a hacker, without much difficulty could access, could bypass the password and could access your data. Right. And the problem with that is now that GDPR is in, you would have to ring the ICO and tell them about it. And you'd have to contact all of your clients and every single human being who's on your laptop, which is probably everyone you know, and tell them you've lost that laptop, which is just a major embarrassment. At which point, this point, Bob, the client is saying, oh, my God, yeah, this is awful. What can we do about it? And, of course, that's the point you bring in Bitdefender or in, introduce your favorite encryption tool here. Do it as a service. Don't do it as a one-off. It's an encryption service. It's 382 a month per laptop. Should, should, we just, should I just get that sorted out for you? Which is, the, which is the upsell question. And you look at something like that, and Bob now is going to put down the phone and go, oh, and emotionally, he's not, he's not going to be sitting there thinking, bloody IT firm has sold me more stuff. He's going to be sitting back emotionally and thinking, thank God someone's looking out for us. Thank God we can make that problem go away for just the price of a coffee per laptop per month. Of course, for the MSP, it's another two or three pounds of, of gross profit per laptop per month for the next 10 years. And that's, in my mind, that's what good upselling is about. All of the MSPs I work with, I really recommend they do strategic reviews every year. So yes, you can do things like the ad hoc phone calls just to sell more services when you've got something that comes up. But the real power is in sitting down with every client, even the one-man band clients, sitting down with every client once a year and doing a review. And the review is not about the technology. The strategic review is about the business's future. What are you doing? What are you looking to do? What are you worried about? What do you want? What do you need? What expansion plans have you got? All of that kind of stuff. And most MSPs, you know, when they sit down and have those conversations with clients, every single time an opportunity comes up. And this isn't selling. This is actually making someone happy. And the great thing is the more stuff you sell them that they choose to buy from you, the longer they'll stay. There is an absolute direct correlation because it feels as though you are meeting their needs more often. That's fantastic, Paul. And, uh, you know, that script that you gave there, as simple as it is, I think you flipped it. Uh, you flipped the sales process around for most MSPs that I come across who are scared of selling because they think, oh, they're trying to persuade somebody to do something. What you've, you know, in that little scenario I've explained there, you are helping somebody to avoid something terrible happen to them and why wouldn't they do yeah. it you know yeah. you're just absolutely helping with them so you know I, I don't believe you can actually sell msp services i really don't i think what you can do is you can educate people and let their heart let give them space to think and let give them space to feel you know it's like it's like buying a car we've all you know been into a showroom and looked at a car and the 
worst salespeople just want to show you all the gadgets. They want to get you out the test drive, all of that. The bet I bought the car, uh, a new car a few weeks ago, and the, the, the sales guy was great. He was 70. He was the oldest sales guy there. And he said, I'm the most successful. I sell five times more cars. Do you know what my secret is? I said, no. He says, I'm going to ask you lots of questions about the kind of car you're looking for. So it was a secondhand one from like a car, big car supermarket. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to um, put you in front of a couple of cars and I'm going to leave you. And you'll decide which one you're going to buy. You'll buy a car today. And he was right. I've got a BMW 5 Series, lovely car. And I sat in it for 20 minutes, pressing buttons, imagining myself. And I'd bought that car in my heart before we even did the test drive. He didn't need to sell it. In fact, he was, he was dealing with three people at once, which was fascinating to see him do it. Um, MSPs, it's exactly the same. You know, if you, if you find yourself having to sell it, you've got it wrong. All you've got to do is educate them about the problems or the benefits. It's like this, this 2020 thing. You know, Microsoft in 2020... Uh, uh, end of life thing, small business server 2011. I think it's Exchange 2010, um, Windows 7. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's ending January 2020. And you know, all you've got to do is have enough of the right conversations with people who are affected by this, which will be at least half your client base. And at some point, hopefully before they get to November 2018, they'll, they'll do something about it because you've educated them. Whereas right now, they perceive there's no problem. And we haven't got to sell anything. We've just got to keep telling them about it. Yes, makes a lot of sense. Now, let's rewind a little bit and touch on something you mentioned earlier on. Uh, This is something I know very well for myself, and it's the idea that uh, a book uh, really enables you to be perceived as an expert in your industry, whether you are or you're not. (laughs) Now, um, I've got a couple of books out there. I'll leave the listeners to decide whether I'm an expert in my industry or not. (laughs) But you're helping to educate your MSPs that you're working with uh, about the idea of getting books out there. Explain that concept a little bit more because I've seen some of the books that have come out and I've got to say, I'm really impressed with them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Books are amazing because we place a value on them that's higher than... You, you, you take the, the, I've written eight books, nine books. I forget how many. It's, it's, I've actually written the same book nine times because uh, every time I go and work with the market, I, I rewrite the book for that marketplace. And I'm quite open about that. Um, but th- there's nothing beats a book for branding you as an expert because the, the perception is that publishing a book is difficult. The perception is that you can't be an author unless you're the best. The perception is that it's expensive to to write a book. And that's simply not the case. You can take um, content that and put it in a PDF. You could take a book and put it in a PDF and it has zero value because we've all got folders on our laptops absolutely chocker with PDFs. And, you know, I'm subscribed to all the, all the vendors emails just as everyone is, and I've got, I mean, literally hundreds of the things. I haven't read any of them. And and yet, um, the, the two or three things that I have read are the print things that, that have been sent to me by, by one or two select vendors that have, that have decided to go that extra step. And this is this is why I started publishing books, uh, and I published my own books um, about, oh, I've got about six, seven years ago. And, um, you know, I have a book um, called um, Updating Servers Doesn't Grow Your Business, which is for MSPs. And it's, it's free. And it, it's um, we have 5,000 copies printed. There's about 3,000 sat it's still in a warehouse in Essex. That cost me 49 pence per unit. Because we had them printed by a proper book printer, but I wrote the book and my designer designed it. Well, but you were kind a- enough to, to send me a copy. It's, it's a great book and it's a great looking 
Thank you, happened. thank you very much. Well, it shattered, shattered my illusion. <laughs> well, uh, professionals did it. That's the thing, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a writer, trained writer from 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 you know the start of my career. Which is, if I wasn't, I'd just get it ghostwritten. And um, you know, people per hour is the great place to go for ghostwriters because there are more writers out there than there are people who want stuff written. Um, my designer is excellent. The book printers are excellent, and you put all of this together, and it's it's not a it's not a book. It's a business card. It's a 49 pence business card that you got, and it's probably going to sit on your bookshelf because you were probably told as a kid, just like I was, that books are precious. We don't damage books. You know, even today, my, my eight-year-old respects books more than anything else. She'll destroy a toy, a 50-pound toy, and think nothing of it. But a book, she's she's gutted if she rips a book, uh, you know, accidentally tears a page or something. So that that's the power of, the, of a book is, is positioning you as an expert. Um, with the MSP Marketing Edge, I, I give my clients a book every nine months or so. And um, we made a bit of a mistake with the first one because everyone had the same title. So 90 versions of that book were knocking around. <laughs> and then the next one, which is, which is due to come out in, in sort of autumn 2018, um, which I'm not going to tell you just about yet because we're just finalizing that. Um, but, but everyone will have a different title. So the contents will be the same, personalized to each marketplace with different case studies, but it'll have a different title to sidestep that. What, what that allows um, my clients to do is to position themselves in their local area as an expert. And, you know, imagine going to a networking meeting I don't like networking meetings, but you can do business there. And you turn up and there's two MSPs turn up and to the average business manager or owner who doesn't know anything about IT support, they're the same business. It doesn't matter actually whether they're any bigger or smaller, they're the same business. One of them turns up with a book and says, well, I'm the author of this book called XYZ. Uh, I've got a copy for you. It's $9.99 or I can give you a copy for free. And it's, it's a wholly different proposition because that person is an author. I, uh, my wife works for the BBC. She's a radio presenter as well. And um, we, lots of our friends are BBC lovies and um, work, you know, working out of London, the 24-hour news channel comes from. And nine times out of 10, they prefer their experts to be authors. So if someone's going to go and be interviewed on the BBC and they've got a book and it's on Amazon, which, by the way, to get on Amazon, you just have to get an international standard bar. ISBN. Literally, all my books are on Amazon, but you can't actually buy them from Amazon. It's just automatic. Um, if, if the author's on Amazon and, and they've written a book, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be a best-selling book. That they are more likely to get booked for the BBC because, and these are the best journalists in the country. You know, working there, it's, it's just an instant expert brand. It's a, it's a huge thing to do. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's a fantastic idea. And as with all of these um, uh, fantastic ideas, it's so simple, you know, and it surprises me. It's remarkable, but it surprises me that more people are not doing it. So let me take that idea a step further then. Um, we've talked about social media. We've talked about business networking. We've touched upon those things. What about what many MSPs perceive as old fashioned uh, or traditional uh, marketing techniques such as direct mail. What mm. do you think about those type of techniques? I love direct mail um, because I don't know about you, but I get one bank statement a month, which I keep for ID purposes because I do property developing and I'm constantly talking to new solicitors uh, and I get uh, HMRC letters and that's all I get at home. I don't get anything else. So, you know, imagine the impact you're sat at home or you've sat at your desk, you've got two or three brown envelopes and and then an orange envelope turns up and it's got a stamp on it and someone's handwritten it and there's something bulky inside. Which, which letter are you going to open first? 
it's going to be the, the orange envelope and that's the power of direct mail. In fact, compared to 10 years ago, it's really easy to stand out with direct mail and the cost doesn't have to be huge. You've got services like DocMail, which is doc.docmail.co.uk, clunky interface, but great service. You've got Stamp, which is S-T-A-N-N, so S-T-A November November P.com. Um, and there's one of the, oh, Mail Shop Maker, which is the Royal Mail Service. And, and we'll make sure all of those are in the show notes as okay. well. Oh, lovely. Thank you. So, uh, you know, there, there is pl- there's probably other services I haven't mentioned. You can on, so you can use an online service to do a, a, a class cloud-based mail merge. You don't even have to get it done in your office anymore. You know, I, I don't have any staff. Having having had uh, 15 at my peak, I made a decision not to have directly employ staff for a few years. Got loads of outsourced help, but no staff. So I, I send out stuff all the time, and we send out two, 3,000 postcards, and I do that from Starbucks, um, pressing keys on a computer and entering a credit card, and it's all done for me. Do you know what? It's faster and cheaper. So, there's, yeah, direct mail, big thumbs up to that. In fact, the, the ideal... Here's the ideal thing, Richard. If you want to get new clients, you build an audience, so you find people to talk to, the relevant people. The more niche you can make your offering, the better. Um, a niche doesn't have to be a sector or a vertical. It can be a job title. I know of an MSP that only deals with financial directors, for example, because that's a great audience for them. I know of MSPs that only deal with uh, recruitment agencies or, or solicitors or accountants or engineering companies. You find an audience, you niche it to make your message more relevant to them, because relevance increases results. And then you educate them using as many different methods as possible. So you they see some stuff on LinkedIn. You turn up in their Facebook, whether that's the, the feed or an advert. They get some stuff from you in the mail. They get some emails from you. And you keep doing that. And you might try, you know, they, they won't read or consume all of them. If you, if you try to touch them twice a month, multi-channel, and in a year's time, they may have read six to nine things that you've or or, you know interactions they feel like they know you that's the power of this that's the power of things like having a book and building a database and sending content out to people is people think people perceive that they know you before they ever speak to you and and it's such a powerful it's it's a very long-term strategy this doesn't give short-term results but in the long term you you literally become unbeatable because in in an area or a vertical or a niche you you become the go-to you know, person, which is, which is such a powerful thing. Mm. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I was in vets, dentists and opticians for five, six years. And even now today, I haven't been in those sectors for two and a half years. Just yesterday, I had a phone call from a vet company in Ireland that wants me to go out and present at their conference. And the guy said, I've got your book sat on my desk. I've had that a couple of years. You know, he's had it six years. Um, you know, I, I, rem- I read your emails. I haven't sent any emails for two and a half years, <laughs> but I, I'm, I've been so front of mind that, you know, at that point, he said, I've been meaning to book you for my conferences for years and now I can do it. And, you know, th- so I literally, I haven't communicated. I didn't know who this guy was. I haven't communicated with this guy for two and a half years because I sold the business. And I don't have the right to communicate him anymore. And still he managed to track me down to book me to go and speak at his conference. And, you know, that, that's the power of that drip, 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 drip. Can you see what that would do to an MSP over like a 10-year period? It's incredibly powerful, yeah. Do you ever get – now, let me rephrase the question. What frustrates you about MSPs? If you could ever find yourself in a position where you want to slap an MSP around the back of the head because they've said something that they believe is unique to them, but you know you see with every MSP owner ever, what is that thing? What frustrates you about working with MSPs? Oh, my God, that's such a long list. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's narrow it to just one, if you could. Okay. Um... <sighs> 
Okay, probably the number one is the business owner being dragged into technical solutions. So I appreciate when you're a one, two-man band, you can't get away from that. But I work with owners who will have, you know, three or four first line a second line, a third line, I'll have plenty of technical resource and you'll catch them answering tickets or picking up the phone. And that makes me want to shake someone so hard because when, when you've, it's so hard to get yourself away from, I, I talk about being trapped. I talk about working in the business and, and how you need to spend more time working on the business. And my business grew, you know, I mean like dramatically when I spent more time working on it than in it. So I was working on growing the business rather than doing the things the business does. Someone's got to do that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you. So I think once you've freed yourself and that's the hardest thing to do, once you freed yourself from the day to day doing in the business, so many people, then they don't know what to do with that time that they find themselves just, faffing fiddling you know like doing things like let's let's review 10 suppliers let's not review 10 suppliers let's let's get some marketing done you know and that i think that's that's the the, the biggest frustration is people just i think because they don't know what to do with their time having freed it so they just default back most of the msp msp owners i know are techs they're, they're techs who, who built a business around being a tech. So they default back to being techs. And, you know, you're better off actually going and spending time with your kids or going to the cinema or just go for a 10 mile walk. I love going for 10 mile walks because it takes hours. If I go down a canal because I can't, um, I can't back out halfway through. I can't get a cab because I'm literally in a canal in between two towns. And um, uh, it means I've got, to, I've got to commit and get through to the end of the walk. And you always end up at the end of it with a brilliant idea that's, that's you know, just popped into your head that couldn't have done if you were dealing with Facebook and emails and tech support tickets and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think drag, dragging themselves, allowing themselves to be dragged back in yes. is, is the biggest frustration. Absolutely. And I would share that frustration as well. So very conscious of time. You're a busy man doing lots of, uh, lots of different things that we've touched upon here. I can't let you go though, Paul, without touching on something that's not MSP related, but incredibly important. You're a fellow Doctor Who geek for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doctor Who. Do not scrap scrap the rest of the podcast. Let's go on. Let's do a Doctor Who cast. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Um, I am such. So I, when I was a kid, it was good, but it wasn't that good. And then when it rebooted in 2005, and my, my wife tolerates it and she will watch it with me, and it's become an occasion. And um, obviously, we've got Jodie Whittaker coming up soon as the new uh, female doctor, which is just going to be brilliant. She's such a good actress. And I've I've visited the actual TARDIS set twice. I've visited two. And so if you and I can geek out for 10 seconds, Matt, I've visited both of Matt Smith's. So when they... Um, do you remember they used to be the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff? Yes, yes, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. So I, 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 I visited... They used to do TARDIS tours as part of that. But about two years before that opened, I can't remember how I did it, but I somehow managed to go and visit the, the actual... TV set in where they used to film it somewhere obscure in the middle of Wales and I remember touching the TARDIS and oh it was it was just so magical it was so magical <laughs> then bizarrely a few years later I met the, the the guy who built that set who was working in with opticians he was a business development guy working with opticians and he gave me a Dalek plunger or something like that which is oh yes Wow. Yeah. Let's, wow. Talk, let's, talk, let's talk more Doctor Who. You really should do it. Well, let's, do, let's do another podcast just about Doctor <laughs> <laughs> Who. All right. You answer this question for me. Who's your favourite Doctor? And, uh, and you, so you I, I'll answer that in two ways. The first one I'll say is my Doctor was Peter Davison. Yes, ditto. Uh, growing up, the fifth fifth Doctor. And my favourite Doctor, though, is probably Tom Baker. So I'll go back and watch the um, the fourth Doctor okay. episodes again and again and again. So okay, but your favourite new Doctor? Favourite new Doctor would be Matt Smith. 
obviously you're wrong. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) David Tennant every day. David, we are dangerously um, uh, getting close to uh, to filling up this podcast, talking about Doctor Who, and perhaps some of our American listeners, especially, will be going what? What? (laughs) We will uh, we will draw a veil over that conversation. There, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for sharing um, uh, all the wisdom that you did. You know, I couldn't agree more with a lot of the stuff that you're saying about how MSPs need to tackle marketing and your ideally positioned to help them with that. Um, if people want to find out more, um, I know we've got a special link, haven't we, for, for yep. Sublog. Tell, tell us more about that. How do people get in touch with you? Yep. So I, I, I've got this, this book, which I've already declared it cost me, cost me 49 pence to print, so I might as well get it into the hands of more people. Uh, it is a paperback book. Um, it was written especially for this uh, for, for MSPs. If you go to, and I know the link will be in the notes, but it's it's itsupportmarketing.co.uk forward slash tub, T-U-B-B, and I'll send you a copy of the book. Um, well, I'll send it to, to English um, uh, uh, listeners, American uh, listeners around the world. Um, you, there's a PDF that, that you'll get. Um, but you're more than welcome to go and get a copy of that book. Fantastic. And it's a great book, uh, very professional, looks brilliant as well. Uh, so thank you. Thank, you for, thank you for sending me a copy of that. Paul, I've really enjoyed our time today. I suspect you and I could sit down and talk Doctor Who, let alone MSP stuff, uh, for hours and hours and hours. Um, would you? I'm, I'm almost certain people are going to want you to come back on and talk more about uh, yeah. not just Doctor Who, but marketing as well. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to sort that out at some point in the future. But uh, Paul Green, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tubblog.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we'll really appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at iTunes. It helps the show reach new listeners. Tune in for our next episode when Richard speaks to his latest guest for more valuable insights into the world of business and IT. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak with you next episode. Have a great day. If your clients use Office 365 or Exchange, then I have no doubt you come across those with ridiculously large mailboxes. The users who accidentally delete messages and then have no way of getting them back. And also some who you just know are going to click a message that's going to bring ransomware their way. MailStore is the email archiving software that enables businesses to keep a perfect, tamper-proof, encrypted and de-duplicated copy of all their messages that's instantly available via Outlook or via a responsive web interface. Available as a free 30-day trial and as both a server edition and a service provider edition that you can host centrally on your own hardware to service all of your clients. MailStore and UK Disty Zen Software have a limited introductory offer for TubTalk listeners that's not to be missed. Head on over to mailstore.co.uk forward slash TubTalk for details. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary 
diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.